The following program is brought to you by the Tennessee Broadband Association. Lead Tennessee Radio, conversations with the leaders moving our state forward. We look at the issues shaping Tennessee's future, rural development, public policy, broadband, health care, and other topics impacting our communities. And now, here's your host of Lead Tennessee Radio, Lavoy Knowles. Good morning. I'm Lavoy Knowles. I'm the executive director of the Tennessee Broadband Association, and I'll be your host for this very first episode of Lead Tennessee Radio. I can't think of a better way to start this podcast than with today's guest, Tennessee Speaker of the House, Cameron Sexton. Speaker Sexton, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. In August, Representative Sexton was elected as the 83rd Speaker of the Tennessee House of Representatives. He's a fifth-generation Tennessean, currently in his fifth term, serving House District 25. This includes Cumberland and Van Buren counties, as well as the city of Monterey and Putnam County. Our new speaker has held a number of leadership positions in his time in office, including House Republican Caucus Chairman, House Health Committee Chairman, and Majority Whip. Congratulations on your election as Speaker of the House, and welcome to our podcast. It's great to be here. Let's start by talking a little bit about your upbringing, where you were raised, and your early exposure to the political process. Yeah, so I grew up in East Tennessee in Knoxville and uh, attended uh, public schools there all the way through, attended University of Tennessee for college, so born and raised in East Tennessee, live in Crossville now, which... it's part east, part middle. Depends on um, on which newspaper you read, exactly. um, where people identify in Crossville. Um, I got started in politics um, way back when. So when I graduated UT in 1994, you know, you have that little transition. I graduated in the summer and uh, trying to find a job. And uh, my my dad knew Senator Randy McNally at the time, and he was looking for somebody to help him on his campaign in 94, which if you remember 1994, that was the year that Don Sunquist was elected, Bill Frist and Fred Thompson. So it was an interesting time to get involved in Tennessee politics. So I, I helped him in his campaign in 1994. Great. That was an exciting time, wasn't it? It was. <clears throat> You're currently in your fifth term as a representative of House 20, District 25. Can you reflect uh, just for a moment on what first led you to pursue this office? Well, I mean, uh, nine years ago when I first ran, it was um, a couple years prior to that or a year prior to that. I had members of the community um, come to me and ask me if I would consider running. They um, they didn't feel like their voices were being heard, and, and so they wanted uh, a, the possibility to have a, a different approach. And so we started the conversations, and that's really what it started out of is, is they wanted to have their voices to be heard. And, and that's where we um, I came up with the logo, which has been with me for nine years, which was People Before Politics, and all because they were wanting more voice. Great. Well, as a product of rural Tennessee and representative of a largely rural area, what particular challenges do you see facing the rural population of our state today? Well, there's many, and we appreciate Governor Lee um, putting an emphasis on rural parts of Tennessee. You have to remember, you know, there's urban, suburban, rural, and, and so forth. Right. You know, in the rural areas, they don't have the tax base or tax structure, um, per se, of, of what the bigger counties or metropolitan areas have. So um, when you ask them to have to increase their funding for education and other things like that, you know, a, a dollar on a sales tax or a dollar on property tax does not equate to a dollar 
dollar property tax in Davison County on what you could generate. So you have to be very aware of the, uh, the tax structure and tax base and, and what they can or can't do. The other issue is, is you know, a lot of times people, um, when they're coming in, they want to come into the hot markets, which has been Middle Tennessee and the surrounding counties. Right. In the rural areas, they have um, great opportunity. Um, and so they're waiting for opportunities um, for others to come in, great for suppliers and so forth who want to be close. You know, if you're looking at uh, uh, broadband's an issue in rural areas because the density is less than kind of in those other areas. So it's, it costs more money um, to do that sort of stuff. And so there's unique opportunities. And, you know, I'm not saying that all rural counties are equal. There's differing levels of, of what those issues are. But in general, you know, those are, are, are kind of the generalities of, of what's affecting rural Tennessee. Great. Well, again, I'll tell you again, we're very appreciative of that you're in the position you are because you can help rural Tennessee. You know what's rural and what's urban and what's suburban, and you can relate to, the, to rural Tennessee. And we appreciate your, your position and also your, your, uh, your background. As you know, the Tennessee Broadband Association is comprised of cooperatives and independent telecommunications companies that are investing millions of dollars in the fiber networks throughout Tennessee in largely rural areas. What role do you see broadband playing in rural development? There's a lot. There's a big need there. Um, you know, this year in the General Assembly, you know, we undid the tax. Um, uh, the, we did a tax cut for, for broadband Tennessee. It was Absolutely. creating a, an issue for us and, and limiting who would apply for the grants. And, and so hopefully re- taking that tax away will apl- have more people apply. And I think that the time limit is coming up soon on when everything has to be submitted by. Um, but broadband's a, a, a big important part because it, it connects everything, education to healthcare, to jobs. And so it plays a vital role. You know, I think one of the things we have to be careful of too is is it's great to get in high speed internet. But a lot of times we also have to make sure that the um, sometimes the service is being delivered that if you're paying for high speed internet, you're getting high speed and not low speed. So, you know, we're looking forward to um, trying to get more of that into the rural areas and continue to invest state dollars to to help us expand broadband into rural areas where it's really needed. Great. Thank you. <clears throat> healthcare is also a big issue right now, and not only in Tennessee, but across the country. Uh, but the health care of our citizens has always been an important issue for you. Can you begin by telling us just a little bit about your work as chairman of the Three Star Healthy Task Force? Yeah, so under Speaker Harwell, she asked uh, to come up with an alternative to Insure Tennessee plan at the time. And, and so we started holding stakeholders meetings all across the state. With uh, We had senators and House members on the panel, as well as some um, stakeholders, and we met with everybody. And that's really where, if you look at the focus in the last two years in the state, that's really where mental health and substance abuse really um, came out is when we were holding those meetings, the, the degree of um, what we're not doing to help those individuals really became apparent. And so that's really what's expanded us um, on Three Star. You know, one of the things I will say is as we were um, discussing in, in what direction to move, you know, many years ago, uh, Phil, uh, Governor Bresson had to remove people off 10 care rolls because right. it was getting to be unaffordable. And when we went to CMS to negotiate and talk to them about what our plan was going to be like and what it looked like, they could never get over the fact of we didn't want to have to do something or set ourselves up to have to re- go through that removal again because it wasn't a great experience. And so what really be- became is CMS really just wanted a number of people on it, and they didn't care if you provided it or, or didn't provide it two years from that date. And in Tennessee, that's not something we want to do. If we do it, we want to do it right the first time and not Absolutely. have to go back and redo it. And that was the breaking point of, of trying to work with CMS. Great. 
Uh, earlier this year, during the legislative session, you, you and your other colleagues unveiled the CARE Plan, which stands for Consumerism, Increasing Access, Improving Rural Health Systems, and Empowering Patients. Could you describe the, for us the four elements of the plan? Yeah, so if, it, if it's all-encompassing, the way to look at it is, is right now the, the insurance companies um, or insurance policies are the center spoke of your will. Everybody else is on the outside. Really what we want to do is, is make the patients and provider be the center and everything else on the outside. So it's a more consumer-driven, empowering type of healthcare system where you as a consumer is, are in charge of your healthcare decisions. Right now that's not the case. And even if you wanted to be in charge, a lot of times price transparency is not there for you to make the determination on cost with quality and what you're willing to pay or not pay right. and access it in there, especially in rural areas. You do in metropolitan areas, obviously, but in rural areas access it in there. And there's a lot of different issues why that is, but they're having a hard time recruiting physicians or definitely specialties to come into their area. And so it was a, uh, an approach to kind of create a vision. And one of the things that we're going to try to do this next year in the General Assembly is create a vision on different things on where we want to go, and this is how we get there, and that was one start of it. That's great. As an association, we certainly believe access to, to health care is vital to the well-being of Tennessee's residents, and we realize that broadband plays a critical role in expanding health care access through telemedicine technology. That's why we are working on a statewide rural telehealth initiative. In your view, how important is broadband and telemedicine in increasing access to care? especially in the rural markets. Yeah, we, we kind of touched on this earlier. It plays an important role because when you when you have rural Tennesseans and you hear it from providers, especially if you're um, having to do a, a cardiologist or another specialty and you're traveling in a rural area an hour to two hours to go see the doctor or even after surgery and you go back home, a lot of times the breakdown is not the follow-up. And the follow-up is almost as important as the surgery because that's what keeps you healthy and going from that point forward and improves your outcomes. Right. So having the capability to where uh, a patient in a rural area can follow up through telehealth as a, uh, a visit is very important because it, it lowers the cost. It takes, away, it takes away less time from them having to leave work and take vacation days for that. And it really opens a parameter where you can have access equal to everybody across the board. There's a couple other things that we have to work on in that point because we could have broadband mixed with telehealth and have the, the ability to do that. We also have to make sure that the reimbursement rates are the same um, because that's important. You have to make sure that the credentialing um, is easier to do in that situation. And we have to change the definition of site to site and really open it up so that you can really take advantage. So if you're at your work and they have a clinic there, you can go into the clinic to do a follow-up visit. Or if you just needed to be seen for a cold or something, you wouldn't have to leave work. So it, it will it will transform healthcare in the rural areas if we do it correctly, but we need to make sure we do it right the first time and get the groundwork set. Totally agree. You're right. Thank you. Right on right on target on, on, on that telehealth. Um, I believe you have children uh, ranging from elementary to college age. Uh, tell us about your family and what thoughts you have on creating opportunities to keep our young folks in Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, I th and I think that's um, it, it, it's an inter interesting conversation to have. I think um, when you look at uh, children in rural areas um, or even children in metropolitan areas, um, in rural areas, uh, a lot of times you hear there's nothing for them to come back to if they go off and, and get an education and they get a job. If it's outside manufacturing or something of that 
or some type of self-entrepreneur type of job, whether they want to open a CPA firm or just open up a lawn care business. There's not much in rural areas that would bring them back, and so we're losing opportunities for kids coming back. So right. that's that's one issue. But then you also have the opposite where if you're in a city, sometimes you don't see the opportunity that you have to to get out of the situation and, and become something different. So it's it's important as we continue to move forward to to make sure that whether you're in rural areas or urban or suburban, that you're you're aware and you you have the opportunity and and really Governor Lee's focus in the rural areas hopefully will allow rural uh, children and students or adults to live in a rural area and instead of feeling like they have to live in a in a bigger county and and not be where they truly want to to live. All right. Okay. Thank you. Again, congratulations on your election as Speaker of the House. And how do you view this this important role, this position? In, where do you see it? Yeah, well, that, that, it's still evolving. Um, you know, we've, I think we're six weeks into it or so, maybe seven. Um, and, and so we're still evolving. You know, it's, um, there's something new every day. And, you know, the, the, the good thing is, is in the House, we have, if I exclude myself, 98 great individuals who are here willing to serve their constituents and, and do what they think is right based on what their constituents want them to do. So, you know, early on, what I defined success was is reevaluating and putting everybody in in spots on committees, and that's why we redid committees to where they can be successful, where you're using their skills and talents and their passion. That's what you would do if you're running a business. You know, you wouldn't put someone who loves math over in some other area where there's not accounting or finance or something of that nature, right? Because they're exactly. not going to love right. their job. Yeah. And so, so if you put members in the right spots where they have the passion, then our policy is going to be better. And so that's one is making sure that they have that. The other is empowering them to to allow them to have a voice for their people. Even if we disagree with that, they, they've earned the right by being elected by 65,000 people in their district to send them here to be that voice, whether they're a lone voice and they're 98 to one or whether they're with a bunch of others, right? They should have the right to have their voice heard. So that's the second thing we wanted to set set forth. And the thing is, and then to treat everybody fair and 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 the same. You know, right. there's there's no special treatment. Everybody gets the same opportunities because that's the way it is when you when you go to school and and when you have a job, it's the same opportunity. And, and what you make of it is how successful you're going to be. And that's Absolutely. the philosophy we're going to have. Outside of that, you know, we're 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 starting to gain our feet and. Um, one of the big things we want to do is is do more community service projects. And, you know, I'm not, I know I'm getting outside of what policy is, but also at the same time is you have to realize that life is about relationships. And if you don't know who you're working with, you can never effectively and efficient, efficiently work together because right. those small issues will become big issues. And so really trying to get outside the Capitol and doing service projects with everybody in the General Assembly so that we're not talking politics, we're not talking policy, we can actually talk family, talk about interests, and really just have different conversations, knowing that we may not agree on everything, sure. but when we disagree, it doesn't get to the level of what Washington, D.C. is, and that's right. what we're trying to stay away from. I think it's a great idea and a great direction to move into. Um, I know that Tennessee has been very fortunate uh, to be very physically sound, and uh, I know last week I saw in the paper where the governor's looking to maybe renew our uh, AAA bond rating, but even with that, um, what are some of the challenges you see ahead for the state, and what issues do you partic are you particularly excited to tackle 
when the legislature reconvenes in 2020? Yeah, I mean, so I, I think um, if you go back and look when um, Governor Haslam came into office and where he left it for Governor Lee, it's night and day. I mean, budget-wise, jobs-wise, economic-wise. Um, Governor Haslam really put us in a great spot after his eight years. And I think it will go down as economically probably the best eight years we've ever going to have. And right. he was the first governor that never went through a recession, which is unique as well. Absolutely. And we've had, I think, 126 months of consecutive positive growth, which is another record for the state of Tennessee. So part of it is as we're having these um, – uh, excess revenue collections um, is to make sure that we're not spending it on recurring money to where if there is ever a slight downturn, then we put ourselves in a situation. And so we've we've been really trying to use money, one-time money to fund building projects, um, maintenance projects to really, because the state's infrastructure nine years ago was not in a great place. So as we, as we go through, we have to be very aware of, you know, we don't want to spend what Everything's coming in. We've returned a lot through tax cuts, which uh, which is a great uh, great thing that we did. We put a lot in a rainy day fund, um, which is what we're doing. And when we went to New York to talk to the bond rating companies, Tennessee's budgetary um, uh, information that we gave is by far the best, I think, of any state in the country of where we are, how we've been and what we've been doing and we're looking to continue that and uh, and make sure that we put ourselves in a in a in a place to where if there is something that happens um we won't have to do wholesale cuts yeah we're in a very fortunate place in tennessee and we appreciate all the all the general assembly of all their hard work they've put forward to get us here and it's not been an easy task and and to be one of the best and uh physically sound states in the union is is pretty phenomenal Um, again, thank you for joining me today. And are there any of the issue, other issues like, like to speak to before we close out? Well, I mean, I don't know if there's any other issues. I mean, I, I think when you when you look at everything, you know, I think government can only do so much, right? At some point, government's not meant to do everything for everybody at every moment in time. Right. It's designed to give people the opportunity to be successful. And, and so if that's the role that you see of government, then we need to make sure that government's limited in, in doing those sorts of things. And, you know, there's a lot of things that we could be doing better. You know, mental health, behavioral health, substance abuse is one by far that we Absolutely. need to do. Um, access and affordable health care is another. You know, reading um, efficiencies in third and fourth grade is highly important. Um, and that, that equates to higher ACT scores. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that we can do. What I would say is Governor Haslam put us on a budgetary path over the last eight years which now allows us with Governor Lee to really focus on policy. You can't really start focusing on policy until you have your house in order as far as budgetary means. Even at home, it's very hard to do anything if, if your budget's not secure. And so we we have a very secure budget in financing, and now we can really go and look at policy, and I hope that's what we do. Great. Again, I'm Lavoy Knowles, and this is the premier episode of Lead Tennessee Radio. Is brought to you by the Tennessee Broadband Association, which includes both cooperative and independent companies connecting our state's rural communities and beyond with world-class broadband. Thank you for listening, and please share, subscribe to, and comment on our podcast, and help us share these conversations with the people leading Tennessee forward.